Kaf Vav, number 26. Yesterday was Kaf We are learning for Fush Lema, Esther Hindabast Hensha, right? And also have in mind Eitan Moshe, Ben Hila uh, Hinda, and uh, also anyone else who, I, don't, I, know, I know there are many, many names, but uh, we'll have them all in mind. They should have Fush Lema Bimira. Okay. If anyone wants to... If anyone wants to mention a name of somebody they know, they could, but I just don't know more names by heart. Oh. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right, Ben Ben Esther. Okay. All right, let's get started on the review of yesterday's daf. We are taking it from the top of the page on daf chaf hey Omer aleph, and uh, uh, we focused on the mishnah which uh, which had taught us the halacha that uh, shemen sreifa, which is basically a oil that's uh, from a truma that became ritually impure, so you're not allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to consume it. Um, but you are allowed to burn it. In fact, you're supposed to burn it. And uh, you're just not allowed to... But, however, you're not allowed to do so on Yom Tif, And that's why... Because that's burning it on Yom Tif. Now, um, the question is, it sounds like it's only a problem on Yom Tif, but on Chol, during the weekday, it would be perfectly permissible to do so. And uh, not only that, it sounds like that... And not only is it permissible to, to burn it, but it's a it's uh it's the right thing to do as well as you can benefit in the process of the burning. So in other words, if you're using it as a fuel, that's perfectly fine as well. So that's the that's the idea. So the Gemara so the Gemara explains um, uh, where's the basis for that. So first we saw Rav explains that basically there's an equation. Just like there, when we have psukim that talk about kachim that became tamay, that there's a mitzvah to burn it. The same thing would apply, just based on logic, to trum as well, when it became tamay, when it becomes tamay, that you need to destroy it. The idea is that you don't want to keep around something that uh, can be harmful, that people are forbidden from consuming. And if you leave it around, it may, you know... <laughs> Uh, all I know is that uh, that my house right now, everyone's home, and uh, the whole day everyone's rummaging around <laughs> looking for what there is to eat. So if there was a a container of olive oil that uh, that's not well labeled and just uh, it happens to be trumatomea, it may come. If you leave it around, it may come to be consumed. It may come to be used. So there you go. So that's the idea. Basically, is that there's a mitzvah to get rid of it by destroying it in the process. The Torah tells us that while destroying it, you are allowed to benefit from it. So the question is, where does that come from? Where would that be the case? That on what basis is that true? So the Gemara explains that the basis comes from um, that there's a mitzvah to, uh, to 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 benefit. Where does the Torah say that? So it comes from Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says the name of Rabbi Baravua that uh, the pasuk says that I am giving to you. The guardianship of my true most plural. Now, why would it have to say true most plural? That's that's un, that's the only one truma, right? So the Gemara answers that there must be two halachos, two types of truma, two categories of truma, 
One would be true Torah, the other would be true Matamea. And in both of them, God, where the Torah says, I gave to you. So that means he has some benefit, even from Trumatamea, not to eat, because we already saw that it's prohibited to eat, so it must be to use as a fuel under your food. Okay? Um, that's one source, one basis for this Allah. The other basis we saw from Rebbe Vahub, that says that in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, it says in the Pasuk, Lo menu bitame, um, that uh, I did not um, destroy it bitoma. Um, uh, I which talking about Maisa Shani. And this is part of the confession that we make when we bring the Maisa Shani to Rishalayim. And uh, it sounds like that for Maisa Shani, I'm not allowed to destroy it bitoma, which implies uh, that I would be allowed to destroy it, um, um, that I would be allowed to destroy it in. Uh, um, that I would be allowed to destroy it in, 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 in something else. Just this is not. My Sashini not. It's me men new. It's a limitation. Something else I am allowed to. What is the other thing? So we said, must be Truma. So Gemara says, how do you know it must be Truma? Maybe it's Kodesh, which is, which is what I'm not allowed to. So that's the, the question. So the, so the Gemara explains, you're right. It might be Kodesh, but... Um, um, but uh, basically, Kodesh, there's a Kav Chomer. If I'm not allowed to destroy Maiser, which is much more lenient than Kodesh, and surely I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to, um, uh, surely that would be the case for, for, for Kodesh as well, Kav Chomer. So Gomer says, well, what do you mean? That same Kav Chomer works for Truma as well, because Truma also is, is more stringent than Maiser Shani. So the Gomer says, you're right, but there's a Pasuk. So the Pasuk has to be going on something that allows and uh, can be going on both things. One of them we're going to apply the Kavachomer, the other one we're not going to apply the Kavachomer to. So which one's going to be which? So the more stringent one, we're going to say, has to be prohibited. Well, what's more stringent? So we said that Kodesh has th- six stringencies. What are the six stringencies? It's, uh, we had an acronym for it, Panak Akas, which basically means it has a din of Fiegel related to Gotchen. There's a concept of Nosar. It's a Korban, which is not the case for Truma. Um, there's Mi'ila on it, not necessarily on the portion that goes to the coin, but in general, Korbanos have Din Mi'ila, which is very severe. There's Kares, excision, and it's also forbidden to an owner. So the Gemara says, you're right. Those are six stringencies that aren't true for Truma, so true, they have a stringency over Truma. But Truma has its own list, which is Machpaz. What is the four things? There's Misa Shamayim for consuming Truma when you're not a Kohen. Um, there's, that's Mem, there's, uh, or, or if you're Tami. Um, there's Ches, which is, the, you have to add on a fifth if you ate it inadvertently. So that's another factor. Um, and that's the Ches. And then there's no redemption of Truma. Truma is locked in and what it is, you can't, Redeem it like you could by Kachim. And it's forbidden to Zarim. Only Kwanim are allowed to eat it. Whereas Kachim, there are cases of Kachim where you could uh, feed it to... Um, there are cases of Kachim where you could feed it to um, to Yisraelim. As long as they're Tohor, they're able to consume, eat some Karbanos, certain Karbanos, parts of certain Karbanos. So the bottom line is, that's four stringencies that Shum has over Kodesh. But nevertheless... 
we said Hanach Nefishin, which basically means that you got to go by the bigger list, and therefore, if we've got to choose which is going to be the one that's prohibited to destroy Bitoma, that's going to be the one that's Kodesh, and uh, not Truma. Okay. All right. So... One second. You the are you turning back on the mute? You're okay now. Okay, I want to mute you if it's possible because there's noise. Okay. Okay, it's me. You hear me? Okay, good. That's me. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're going, okay, so that, that was the one answer. Then we saw a second answer from Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, who says that the Pasuk says, Titen Lo, that you're supposed to give the, um, to the Kohen, to him. Now what does it mean? To him and not to his fire. Meaning that when you're giving Truma, you should give the Truma, not the Truma to Meya. Okay, that's what it's saying. So the Gemara says, um, which means that the Rashi explains that you're not supposed to take a tithe of truma to meya, tummy stuff, on your tar stuff and let that be the truma and you'll give it to him. But there implies that there is an idea that truma is useful for his fire. It has to be that it should be given to him, that he should be able to consume it and eat it and benefit from it in a more full way. That's the idea. Okay. Brings us to the next thing, which was Rabbi Shmuel in the Mishnah, um, and that says that you cannot use itron because of Kavit Shabbos. So we wanted to know what's wrong with uh, itron. It smells bad. Rabbi explains. Rabbi explains it smells bad, and there's exhibit. Maybe you'll leave it. The, you'll leave the room and you'll go out. So Abai says, and what's wrong with that? Meaning. Who cares? So the Gemara explains that that, that luck is near on Shabbos. The lighting of candles on Shabbos is obligatory for the purpose of covered Shabbos, and you want and it's not going to be a covered if you're not going to benefit from it. So obviously, the covered is that the candles should be out there in the room where you're going to be hanging out, not where you're running away because it smells so bad. So, um, Rav Nachman Barav Zavda said, in, in, uh, or Rav Nachman Barava said in the name of Rav that the uh, lighting of candles is a chova, and uh, also Rechitzas Yedam Raglaim and Chamin, and hot water is also for Shabbos. It's not a chova, but it is a mitzvah. And uh, what is the mitzvah of, uh, come from? We brought a story with Rav Yudah Rebeloi. That every year of Shabbos they brought a basin to him filled with hot water. He would wash his face with it and his hands and feet, and then wrap himself up in his uh, in his linen garments that have tzitzis on them, and he looked like an angel. So the Talmidim, they were hiding their cornered gar- the corners of their garments, tucking him in because they weren't wearing tzitzis on them. So he's like, "You guys are doing the halacha wrong. Didn't I explain to you?" Uh, that uh, linen, uh, linen are chayiv in tzitzis. According to Bishama, they're potter, but according to Bishil, they're chayiv, and we pass them like Bishil, that they're chayiv in tzitzis. Why do they not wear tzitzis? They said it, they felt it's a zir not to put tzitzis on linen, because um, if it's pajamas, then then it's not chayiv in tzitzis, and you may come to allow it by pajamas. And then you would be only being having a transgression of Climb without a mitzvah because there's no mitzvah to wear tzitzis 
on your pajamas. Okay. Oh, it was the Shabbos clothes. I don't know if it's miyuchad. It's it's. I don't know if it's a miyuchad beged Lila, but. It was definitely what he wore Friday night. That's right. But the point being is not that it was his pajamas. The point being is is that uh, they weren't saying that he's wearing pajamas. They're saying no matter what, they're not chayv and sitzis even at night, uh, even in any linen because it's like a, a, because of the xera that you may come to wear it by 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 night. Yes, Mati. Ah. Uh. Well, that's a good question. I don't, first of all, um, there's, there's many people who wear tzitzis all the time, not even, not because, it, you have to realize that if you're wearing daytime clothes at night, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about clothes that are special for nighttime, like pajamas, is not having tzitzis. So they don't put tzitzis on their pajamas. They're wearing their tzitzis all, the, all day and all night. And the reason why is that what if they wake up late it's not only Hasidim, others, Minag um, among Svardim also, yeah, at least some Svardim that I spoke to, they, uh, they would sleep in the tzitzis, because what if you, wait, if you don't wake up that early, so you're, it's already daytime, they're chayv in tzitzis already at that point, so therefore they would wear tzitzis, and they, this way they have it all the time during the day. Do you understand? That's all. Okay. All right. Anyway, so brings us to the, uh, so that's what he explained to them, and that was what they felt as a gzera, because, um, and it's a sheva al-taisa, so by, it's a passive gzera, therefore it could even override putting on tzitzis on linen, even though really it's chayv and tzitzis. All right, we quoted a pasuk that, uh, uh, from Eicha, v'atiznach mishlam nafshi, and nashisi tova. What are these two things? So first we saw Rabbi Vo saying that that's exactly the, they were neglecting this mitzvah of Adlokas on Shabbos. And Ashisi Tova means that they weren't bathing. Either they didn't go to the bathhouse or they didn't fulfill Rechitzah Sitaim Raglaim with hot water. Uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Nafcha says that it's talking about having a nice bed and Kalim uh, Naim, beautiful clothes, beautiful uh, to wear. Likavet uh, Shabbos, dress dressing special for Shabbos, and uh, Rabbi Abba says that's referring to the custom of the Talmud Chachamim, where they would have uh, the bed prepared specifically because that's when they would fulfill their conjugal duties with their wife on Friday nights. That was the derech of Talmud Chachamim, and uh, the wives would be dressed special for the occasion. Okay. Next, we talked about an interesting side thing. What is the definition of a rich man? So, um, so the first definition is Rabbi Meir, and he says a rich man is somebody who, benef- who has pleasure from his wealth. He's enjoying his wealth. Uh, it's not called being rich if it doesn't give you pleasure. That's number one. And that really is the definition of Ashir Hasameach Bichelko, somebody who's, who's happy, with what he has. Okay. Number two, definition number two is Rabbi Tarfon. And he says that you have a hundred vineyards, a hundred fields, hundred servants working the fields. 
So basically, you got a lot of income, and you don't got a lot of work. Okay, so that's um, that's called rich. Okay, that's a Rabbi Tarfan's shita. Rabbi Kiva says, if you have a, a beautiful wife, in her behavior, beautiful inside and out, meaning how she's behaving. So that's uh, that's wealth right there. That's Re- that's uh, Reb Yossi's shita, and uh, Re- um, and Re- I'm mean, sorry. That's uh, Rebbe Kiva shita, and Reb Yossi says that if you have a bathroom near your table, near your meal table, meaning it's not you don't have to travel too far to go to relieve yourself, that is being wealthy. So that's the story. Um, anyway, so that's the all the definitions of wealth. And we also saw a another uh, thing yesterday's daf that Rabbi Shem ben Elazar says that sari, which is this uh, uh, an aromatic oil that comes from trees, actually, but that's what we'll see. It's just part of like like it's drawn out of the tree, but um, uh, we that's not kosher for uh, for your lighting for Friday night candles. Why? So Rabbi says because since it has such a beautiful smell to it. So we're afraid that maybe you'll use it um, and that's taking away from the oil. You want to put some on, on you and that will take away from, some, from the oil for uh, the candles and uh, it'll come out, it'll go out earlier and that's prohibited. So Abayi said, that's one answer. Abayi says, but isn't it a bigger problem because it's, it's highly flammable and it could catch the, the fire climbs very big and... Um, the uh, um, um, the uh, the fire climbs very big, um, and uh, basically, uh, it's gonna be it's dangerous. It'll burn down the house. So the Gemara says you're right. It's more than one reason. That's one reason. There's another reason that it's uh, one reason. It's very dangerous. Plus the fact that it smells so beautiful you might come to use some, and that's its own issue in its own right. And that is where we left off yesterday, and we'll stop over here.